gentlemen, welcome back once again to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. This is Chad the Mark with Mr. Brown and Canadian Biggie Brothers. How are you doing on this wonderful Thursday evening? I'm excellent. I feel great tonight. How are you guys? <laughs> Got a couple fish today. This is Mr. Brown, so I'm doing great myself. What'd the bass catch? are a biting. A couple bass. A couple bass? On a tiny little jig, so uh, spring's right around the corner. It's all about that bass. That's right. No no treble hooks? No. That's a terrible joke. I'll just stop right now. Put a gun in my mouth. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, don't do that. We don't the gun, I'll do it for you. <laughs> so we, we have plenty of things to talk about. I really wanted to start with the NFL because we haven't really talked much about it because, you know, the free agency, it, it's kind of in limbo. We can't do anything for a couple of weeks. Was it March 14th? March 18th? 17th. Seven, I, one of those days in March? <laughs> March 17th is the official date. There's like a, a non-tampering date that starts four or five days before that. But a lot of those rumors are going to start at the beginning of next week. Well, we're getting some pretty big rumors now. And I wanted to immediately jump into none other than Mr. Tom Brady. So I have some thoughts on what's about to happen. But Biggie, being the residence Patriot fan, what, what's happening? Where is he going? Is he coming back to New England or is he going somewhere else he's gonna look real good in that silver and black finishing his career with a franchise he destroyed in the so. snowball the talk roll game don't think so he's not going to vegas we don't want him first of all we would burn the city down i heard from a reliable source today that he's going to miami Ooh, you're both wrong what you think he's headed west i do way west very west no, no, no. Los Angeles, sorry. No, that, not that either. Biggie knows what I'm going to say. You think he's going to end up in San Francisco? I do. Yeah. You talking sign and trade, Jimmy G, back to the Patriots? 100%. You really, really believe that? That would be the coup that Bill Belichick would pull off more than anything else in the history of sports. He'd look like a genius if he did that. Right, because he's still got his guy. The guy he wanted, instead of Brady, he's getting him back. It's a win-win for everybody. I've read that, and I just have a hard time trying to believe it because that's too good to be true for the Patriots because he's the guy that a lot of Patriots fans have said, he should be our starter right now, that sort of thing. <laughs> Tom Brady's going to be 43 when next year starts. I love him. But the clock's ticking. What's in it for the Niners to do that? Because the Niners look at it this way. We went to a Super Bowl with Jimmy G, who didn't really have to throw the ball. So not only is Tom Brady coming, but Antonio Brown's coming with him. Antonio Brown, he got a brain transplant or what? <laughs> Doesn't matter, but he stayed locked in the hip to Brady. They still talk. They're still boys. That's, that's not changing. He's not going to Sam Fran, man. He's working on his rap career. <laughs> hey, you got to go out to he's going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. <laughs> How's that for a rap career? Oh, that was as bad as the Raiders chicks on their new video. <laughs> Although it was better than most rappers nowadays. <laughs> I, I, I spit bars, yo. <laughs> so, but all seriousness, I'm telling you, I think it's a high possibility. It's rather Tennessee or San Francisco. I honestly, I said Miami because of my source today, but I really think he stays in New England, and I hope he stays in New England because he's done, and it'll just mean another year of either New England not making the playoffs or a first uh, game exit. If he's staying, why hasn't he signed already? Because he's a free agent for the first time, and he's enjoying this process. 
He's enjoying it so much, he's taking a vacation with his family until free agency officially <laughs> begins. He ain't going back to New England. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove that he can win one without Bill Belichick. See, here's the thing. Diehard fan. I love Tommy. I love the Patriots. But the thing that has made Tommy so good is that chip on his shoulder. Even when he's league MVP, he's still not good enough. He's still that six-round pick. This is that one last thing he can do in his career to prove that it's him. It's his workout. Why do you want to go back to a garbage offense on New England when you can go out to San Francisco when you know you got the best defense in the NFC? That's what I'm saying. He doesn't want to go back there. Uh, He wants to lead the show one last time why he's the GOAT. Right, and he don't need Belichick's help. And then if if they do bring A.B. with him, then what is he? What is he complaining about out there? You for? don't even know what AB is going to bring to the table. So you really, <laughs> you, you really, I, I don't. You really think we're going to see a Montana Favre part three? I look. If Favre could leave the Packers after all that time up there, why can't Brady leave the Patriots? Here's what I think could happen in that same realm: is that Favre left the Packers, went to the Jets, he went to the Vikings, had one of the best seasons of his career in his first year there, second year fell off the rails. Same thing with Brady. If he were to end up out there on the West Coast that first year, it's all in because it's over from that point. How many years do you think the Niners believe that he's got in it? I think two. See, I think they're crazy enough to think he's got more than two. I think two is realistic. But I could see John Lynch out there going, maybe we can get five out of them, you know? We got a young core. We got a team put together. We can get more than a couple. He's done. (laughs) If you looked at his play last year outside of the numbers and you actually watched him play, he's not done. And if you put him in California and he's trying to start all these TB12 health clinics and all the freaking nuts that are out there, he could probably play another five years. I'll I'll give you this. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with a good defense. So basically, Brady's Trent Dilfer now. Such a hater! (laughs) He could be. We're not talking about a big difference. And where's Tom Brady from? No idea. You tell me, Mr. Chad. Where was he from? Do you know where Tom Brady's from? You really don't know neither? No, he's he's not a real fan. He don't know. No clue. Oh, wow. Uh, not Michigan, right? No, he's not from Michigan. No, he's from California. He's from the Bay Area. I remember that. Though. Yes. Do you, do you know what his favorite team growing up was? I'm assuming the Niners. It, it was the San Francisco. Because he hated the Cowboys. Well, <laughs> yes. I remember seeing that. <laughs> so he he's going back to where it all began. Just like a little kid out in the yard wearing his Joe Montana jersey, enjoying Pee Wee football, he'll be playing for the San Francisco 49ers in 2020. <laughs> All right, now that we've done discuss the fate of the one and only Tom Brady, let's talk about the fate of the overall National Football League. You have the CBA out there right now. I'll be honest with you, Biggs. I don't know that much about it except for like one little detail. So you tell me what's going on. Uh, Not 100% sure what they're going to finally decide on, but I know that the owners were hoping the original proposal was going to be agreed to lock, stock, and barrel. Got pushed back. One of the things was the 17 game schedule, and the other thing was the uh, player share of revenue. <laughs> <They're>, <sighs> they barely passed it to go to vote, right? Like it was like 17, 14, and one person decided not to vote or something like that. The one thing that I read, it said that no player will ever be suspended for failing a drug test again. Is that right? For just for marijuana. Right? Yeah, marijuana. They were making it sound like for anything. Which I thought was ridiculous. 
the way I understood it was that marijuana was become a non-banned substance. I'm good with that. Now. If that's what it is, I, like I said, I don't know that much about what's going on. I just saw that little tidbit and I was like, how are you not going to have some type of, you know, procedure to hold people accountable if they're like juicing or something? One of the players' arguments on marijuana was that the Broncos and the Seahawks are states that legalized recreational use. So how can I live in this state and be bound by the laws of teams in other states? Oh, because marijuana is the only one well, I came across. I, from a legal perspective, the NFL has every right to do that. Just like how you and me and, and Mr. Brown, the places D- we work, they can tell us. DOT. Yeah, they can say, sorry, you, you can't you can't use that. If you fail the test, then you're fired. Because you know what? At the end of the day, I don't have to work there, and these guys don't have to work in the NFL. Now, if they do collective bargaining and work it out, then power to them. Their multi-million dollar athletes have been spoiled since they've been in ninth <laughs> grade. Just give them what they want because they said they earned it. I don't care if someone smokes weed. That has not, if, if that helps them, power to them. I mean, they just did the same thing in Major League Baseball where they're not testing for weed either, and they just basically told the players in a memo, yeah, you can smoke. We're not going to test you for it. Don't show up to the stadium high. Right. They don't test for alcohol, right. so don't show up drunk either. Right. Like You can still be intoxicated and show up for work under the influence of something and it still be wrong. Just because you don't test for it doesn't mean you can just go be a freaking dopehead. Right. So the one thing I saw, like I felt like it was a week ago, aren't they uh, uh, adding a playoff team? And then there's also uh, the seventeenth game, one less preseason game, and then they're adding the seventeenth game. Yeah, yeah, so which, I'm saying and a playoff team. So, but so with the revenue, adding the revenue, that's what they wanted to be able to do is add the playoffs uh, and then add the seventeenth game. That was how they were going to come to that middle ground to where, hey, we can give you a bigger slice of revenue because there's more of it to go around now. That's the biggest crock of shit the NFL's <laughs> ever pushed out there. Hey, we care so much about player safety, concussions, blah, 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 F you. By the way, if we add two games, one in the regular season, one in the postseason, we line our pockets and we will share this slice of pie with you boys. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, it might be the tra- traditionalist in me, like baseball, but I feel like when you add this game to the season, it's going to like skew all these stats, and then it's just, I hate it. I hate it. Just because it throws off the historical balance. Yeah, I don't like it. I, I just want it to stay the same. The passing numbers are already bad enough now. Right. <laughs> People are going to look at Joe Montana and be like, what a scrub. <laughs> OJ ran for over 2,000 yards in a 14-game season. <laughs> and nobody's doing it now. I just feel like it's the same as the college bowl system where they started counting the bowl games into the regular season. So these single season records aren't really single season records anymore. But I never understood why they never counted the bowl games anyway. Like you played the game. It did exist. I don't know. It's the NCAA. I mean, they're the most corrupt organization outside the uh, they CIA. They are. But all right. So back to the, the CBA. I guess it's out there being voted upon. We'll see what happens. Maybe in the meantime, you and me can try to get a little bit more educated on it so we can discuss it more properly. We shall do that before we discuss it again. I guess once it passes or fails, we'll figure out real quick. But last thing I want to ask you about the NFL real quick. Did you see the ESPN package to try to bring in Al Michaels? They're, I don't know what it is. They said they're trying to trade to get Al Michaels from NBC. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> Al Michaels makes everyone look good. Give me Al Michaels, Peyton Manning, 
Give me Eli Manning, too. He's going to need to fill some time. I don't, I don't see how Eli would be very good on the mic at all. He sucked at everything else in Everybody, his life, but he's got the right last name. Everybody's looking for it to be like Romo again, and it just isn't. Like, Romo's a different different level. Have him and Peyton in the booth giving each other wet wheelies. It'll be better than Booger having dildos thrown at him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, he went there, didn't he? Speaking of Tony Romo, man, these players are pissed. Like Michael Thomas, why'd he retire? He is saying, "Why is an announcer making seventeen million, and that's nine, more than ninety percent of the players? They're pissed because there's no CBA with CBS to tell them how much they have to pay." Exactly. Players. There's no salary cap. <laughs> the, I just want to know what package is he like? What's ESPN going to send NBC uh, to get Al Michaels? Like, who's on the trading docket here? Uh, they'll give up Joe Testator. Uh, Dick Vitale and uh, whoever Bill Kuyper. The- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now it's uh, Todd McShay's game. Uh, he looks we like will a- give you Boomer, <laughs> Boomer, and TJ. <laughs> They're past their prime. <laughs> give us Al Michaels. It's gonna be like the Patriots trading Brady, <laughs> they're gonna have to get rid of all their uh, past their prime guys and hope they can go for a return there. Here's the thing Al Michaels is a national treasure. If ESPN gets him, it he may is. save their network. I mean, are you putting him on Monday Night Football? It's not going to help you get better games. It's going to allow me to turn it from mute to volume. <laughs> maybe volumes. <laughs> they get volumes. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe they can get Witten to come back out of reti- retirement. Big damn joke in football. We talk about uh, Cruz calling games, Joe Book, Troy Aikman, all this different stuff. Monday Night Football, all we do is make fun of it with Booker out there. If you had the same games, like Fox spent all that money, got the good Thursday games, you got Al Michaels calling games. Monday Night Football, that used to be a really kind of prestigious. So who are you going to put with Collinsworth if you're NBC? Who's he going to slide into? Well, they sound like that. I don't think it matters. I don't know what's happening now. <laughs> Who was that? He has such a nasally voice. Anybody other was than that Al your Michaels. Chris Collinsworth impression? No, I'd have to slide in from the right. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Anyway, it's interesting to see the networks can trade between each other. We'll see how it shakes out, but I think Mr. Brown put it best, or maybe you did. I don't know, Biggs. Al Michaels, he's a national treasure. Let's switch gears to baseball here real quick. We recently put out there position by position, and we asked the We Don't Know Sports Nation who they thought was the all MLB team. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, for 2020. For 2020. Like, who are the best players at their respective position? And I think a lot of these we agree with. There's a couple that maybe not so much. I want to kind of go through them here real quick. So let's start with, with some obvious ones. Center field, we had Mike Trout. Yeah, runaway. Runaway, right? Right field, Ronald Acuna. I'm loving that one. So it, it was ahead of Judge, who's already hurt. And then, uh, well, who was the other one? We had an asterisk, right? Because we had to put a pole back up for the uh, left fielder. Yelich was there originally. Right. So Yelich was probably taking some of Acuna's votes. Well, I would Acuna, say. Acuna had him beat by one vote. <laughs> he did. And so then we, gave we realized that Yelich was playing left field. But uh, so we he th- beat Bryce Harper. He beat uh, Aaron right. Judge. As, like as he should. Yeah, I feel like he should. Bats. Spooky Bats was the other one I was thinking of. All right. So then uh, we we ended up putting Yelich over in left field. So originally it was Juan Soto who (laughs) – because there's no no left fielders, right? 
That was the least interactive poll we did of all positions. I think one Soto, one with 23 votes because <laughs> no one cares. No one even wanted to vote. Yeah, it was so bad. So, yeah, after that, we had to do the, the Yelich versus Soto. So it was we just realized. Yeah. We're like, here's your champion, Soto. And we got a lot more votes then. Yelich is the new guy. And Yelich ran away with it like 79%. I right. Think. So I don't think we even let it go more than six hours before we started putting out the updated right, standings. Right, right. So, all right, moving into the infield, Nolan Arenado ran away with third base. Not ran away, but, you know, he won. I mean, I, but he's the best third baseman, right? Yeah, on both sides of the ball. All right. So, so far, we're good on the outfield. We're good on third base. Second base, second base isn't very deep. Uh, Ken El Marte for the Diamondbacks, uh, he probably was the best second baseman last year, so I'm okay with him being there this year. It was neck and neck with him and Albies, and then I went back in and looked, and there was like just dozens and dozens of, we don't know, sports fans came out for Marte, and he ran away with it. Which, uh, for a Diamondback player, that's that's amazing. And I, I, as a Braves fan and beating Albies, I'm fine with it. He, he is good. Let's see if he can string together a few good years here. Well, to keep your Braves fans happy, first base, Freddie Freeman. He ran away with it. Some people were trying to give some some love to Goldschmidt, but uh, – He had a down year, man. Get him out of Arizona because people don't realize how big of a hitter's park Arizona is. <laughs> so you got Mad Bum going there, which is probably not going to be good for him. But no. every player that goes to Arizona puts up good offensive numbers. Well, I just thought the uh, influx of Cardinal fans that we've had would uh, kind of carry him a little higher. But it didn't. I'm glad he recognized some types of greatness. So speaking of, at the catcher position, uh, it, it didn't quite work out the way we thought it would. Who do you think is the best catcher in baseball? It's not who I think. It's who is. Well, I mean, who is the best catcher in baseball? It's JT, of course. Real Mudo. Correct. Not even close. No, it's he's by far. So it's not Yadier Molina. Well, that's what the fans said. They all picked him. And, you know, it maybe once upon a time, but not in 2020, right? Just living off a reputation, correct? Uh, and Cardinals fans. We were just overrun with Cardinals fans. I, I couldn't even say – like, we put him on as a, the six. I didn't want to put him on. No, I thought it was the right thing to this do. This is your fault. Because I knew where I was going to go. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to go this far. Who caused it? No, but, I mean, he, he should be in the top six. Just on his – because you watch him in uh, controlling the running game, no one runs on the guy. No, I mean, defensively, he's still probably the best catcher in the game. And he still hits like 280. He just has no home – he has no power right now. Did he hit that high? Ten, yeah, it was about 275, 280. But I was going to say 260. With two home, 10 home runs. <laughs> two ten, home runs. <laughs> 10 home runs. He, he's solid. He, he performed well in the postseason. He controls the <laughs> running game, but nobody really runs anymore. So what's he really doing for you? That's a, that's a good point, Biggs. Can't, can't disagree with that. Look at the percentage he's thrown out compared to other catchers. He's still the best. Other catchers hit the ball better. <laughs> All right. But either way, we think. do you think Real Muto is number one? Yes. Okay, so we're, we're all in disagreement with the fans that it should be Real Muto. Shortstop, Javi Baez. How you feel about that? I love his bat. I mean, he was bouncing around between second and short a lot, but last year he mainly played short. I can't really get mad about it, but I feel like uh, Lindor in Cleveland was the obvious answer. I feel like Baez might be like two or three, Two or three, like Story, would be in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on Lindor. I thought Lindor was a clear winner, and the fact that Baez won, I guess I underestimated how many Cub fans vote. It's kind of like the All Star game. Yeah. All right, relief pitcher. We went with Hater for Milwaukee. How do you feel about that one? 
We didn't say closer. We just said relief guy. No, you said closer. No, it says relief pitch. Well, it's supposed to say closer, but it didn't. Anyways, uh, Hater, Hater, I'm fine with it. I think it was between him and Chapman. Um, Yates has had the best stats, but he's never done it with any kind of pressure in his life. So had had Yates put up those stats plus done it in the postseason, I would have went with Yates. That's a pretty good argument for the people that were saying that it was Yates. Not a lot of people did though. No, but I saw that specifically, and you were you kind of shut that down to where the the reaction was fair enough because he, he's not he hasn't been there. Starting pitcher, who do you, who do you have as the best pitcher in baseball right now? I picked Degrom. Well, that's who the fans pick. I mean, it's it, it's a little crowded at the top. I, I don't think there's some bad answers uh, with with a couple options, but I think Degrom. I've been okay with Cole, but I like Degrom better. I don't think Verlander's up there. I mean, he's he's there, but not quite at the top. Is Verlander not the AL Cy Young reigning award winner? He is, but I. If they were all free agents right now, which one are you giving the biggest deal to? Uh, Garrett Cole. Well, that's age factored in. We're talking about right now. So well, correct. All Verlander needs is that one more year. So if you had picked Verlander, Scherzer, Cole, or uh, DeGrom, I wouldn't have been mad at no, you. No, they're all They're all, they're excellent. all good. I, but I, I'm just saying for me personally – I'm good with DeGrom. I have a bias watching him shut down my Braves pretty <laughs> regularly. DeGrom, he's nasty. So, I mean, I love the guy. I think he's a touch better than Scherzer. And just, he don't have that, like, cocky bulldog mentality on the mound. He just goes out there and dominates kind of nonchalant. He does a, it very quickly. Way. Right. He just goes out there, throws the ball, and walks to the dugout. Any any other changes? Anybody else you, you felt like didn't get recognized, or is that pretty good? Do you think it'll be the same at the end of the year? Uh, obviously, there's going to be guys that's going to step forward and uh, make their names known. But one guy on our page was like, you guys are obviously heavy National League fans on this page. And I, I questioned him. I said, the only guy you could question here would be take off Baez and put on Lindor. And then I don't believe, uh, agree with Molina and we would have put Ramuto. So who, who there's no one AL at the top of their position. No, I mean, I guess was he a Yankees fan? I don't know what he was, but. He's, I said that, and he's like, yeah, you're right. But, like, <laughs> the National League at this point should probably win the freaking All-Star game, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's this is what it's been the past couple of years. Right? I think National League's got overall probably better lineups, but AL's got the better pitching, right? It seems pretty level this year. It's starting to. We'll see how it goes. Well, since we have so much fun talking about baseball, we're going to let you listen to our interview with Tanner Jones, who is a big-time baseball card collector. He rightly corrected me that he's collected over 10 million different baseball cards, and this guy makes me feel like I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to collectibles. So hopefully you can enjoy this interview and maybe gain some knowledge, and maybe we'll see you down there at the pawn shop trying to get a good deal tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, we found in the annals of the internet world a baseball collector of sorts. He's even written a book about it where he's had over a million baseball cards. He's ended up rounding up over his life. But joining us from the Lone Star State is the one and only Tanner Jones, Mr. Baseball Card Collector himself. Tanner, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Now we're doing all right, and we we're very, very happy that you decided to give us a few minutes and join us on the show here tonight. And let, let's just get right to it. How many baseball cards do you actually have? So I was gonna, I was coming close on uh, on correcting you there. You said about a million. Um, in the past thirteen or fourteen years, I've actually had dealings of up to ten million cards total. 
Okay, maybe I didn't count it, did you? That's my mistake. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's uh, it's not something that I have. I don't have ten million right with me or anything, but I've uh, bought and sold that many um, over the past several years, and um, I probably have about four million or so right now. But they're actually uh, in storage with my buddy, who's a dealer. So I don't actually have like real easy access to them or anything. But eventually, they're gonna make their way over here. Are there a certain set of cards that you don't let leave your possession? They're at your house. They're your <laughs> yeah. What are you not joy. letting go of? Uh, so, well, it's kind of funny. It's it's uh, this. Uh, it, my answer would have been completely different if you asked me this time yesterday. <laughs> so, I'll tell you a couple of the things I really like. So, uh, first and foremost, um, I love Jose Canseco baseball cards, um, especially the, the super rare ones, the meaningful ones. Uh, I was a super collector. I sold out uh, the world's largest unique Canseco card collection uh, a couple years ago. Um, but I came back to it. And so here I am, you know, buying them up again, but just the ones I love. So I'm not like obsessively getting everything, just a few, a few of them I like. Now, uh, the other type of uh, cards I love are the real super key vintage graded cards. Uh, particularly pre-war. And so I actually had a bunch of them and I actually just ended up doing a deal to sell 90% of them earlier today here. So I only have really about four vintage cards left right now. So, I mean, what does it take to finally part ways with stuff like that? Cause it sounds like when you're going through your collection process, you're really trying to find things that are kind of appealing to you. Maybe not necessarily what every collector likes. So what, what, what takes, you know, what's the, what's the straw that finally breaks the camel's back to make you part ways with these cards? Well, so I'm really opportunistic when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, I found somebody that was interested in buying. And so I said, well, you know what, let's, let's try this. I, I actually do this ever so often. I always, I always seem to uh, flip my collection and, uh, you know, start over, so to speak. Uh, now, it was a lot easier with this vintage collection because I've spent years going after these like crazy rare one of one cards or prototypes and everything. And so you, you don't typically want to, you know, take those lightly and sell them flippantly. But when it comes to vintage, these guys aren't really rare when it comes to uh, comparing them to one of one cards. So, you know, for instance, if you have like a 33 Gaudi Ruth, Everybody loves the 33 Gaudi Ruth, but the thing is, is there's a lot of them out there. So if you sell it, you know, you're not going to have really much of a problem getting another one layer down the road. I'll just get right to it. What's the, what's the most valuable card you've had in your possession and do you still have it? Uh, well, I kind of have it in my possession because it's on my desk right now, but it's about to go out tomorrow. <laughs> um, it's a, a 52 tops mantle. Uh, what's your address? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, that's tomorrow awesome. Yeah. So, so you decided you decided to move on from that one, huh? Yeah, and you know I might pick it up again. Um, you know, a different version. I just don't know. I mean, that's that's the beauty of it for me for moving things. Like number one, I want to make sure that I can, uh, uh, you know, make a little bit of money off of it in the process. Um, but it's the it's the thrill to hunt. Like I love hunting these cards down. Well, take take us through that process. How does the hunt take place now? Like I. I'm a, I'm a bit of a jilted card collector because I, I'm about the same age as you are. And so when I was growing up, you know, I got, you know, just troves and troves of like late eighties and early nineties baseball cards that aren't worth crap now. 
You know, it's like the, you can take a whole set of like 88 tops into a, a card collector and they'll just tell you to throw it in the dumpster out back because they're not worth anything. So I, I've kind of fallen out of love with uh, the, the art of the hunt, as you say. So tell me, you know, kind of in, in 2020, like what's your process? How do you go about finding these cards and, and what does that look like? Well, you know, you've got to kiss a lot of frogs till you get to prints. You know, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, nine times out of 10, or maybe even 99 times out of a hundred, whenever you look at somebody's collection, it's going to be junk wax. You know, it's going to be late eighties to early nineties. You know, it's just kind of, uh, uh, how it goes. Now with that said, um, there are some like extremely expensive cards from the late eighties and early nineties. If you know what you're looking at, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, actually there is a, yeah, well, here's one I just, I just picked up yesterday. Um, it is a 1991 Upper Deck Silver Slugger, Jose Canseco. And uh, it's not really a, you know, that card in and of itself is not really a special card. I mean, it's probably 10 cents, right? Well, uh, the one that I have is actually a prototype, and it's chrome. So the, the makers of the chrome technology uh, allegedly had gone to Upper Deck and pitched their chrome technology to them. As the story goes, Upper Deck passed on it. And uh, Tops took it up, took it up with them, and they said, "Okay." And so, '93, we have Finest and Finest Refractors, and now Bowman Chrome and all that sort of thing. So, it's a kind of a piece of hobby history. It's not going to be something you find in a pack, but it's going to look very similar to a Junk Wax era card. How much is that card worth? Uh, you know, there's no telling. There's no telling because if you put it in at auction, um, you know, I would. If I were to guess, I would say probably between three and six hundred dollars. Um, it's, because, just, it's just one of a kind, right? So you just have no idea until you tried, right? Yeah, there's like three of them out there. You know, I mean, the other two aren't going anywhere. They're going. They're in other super collector collections. Um, but uh, you know, so so same thing goes with like eighty-eight tops. There's a, a cloth test uh, set. There's a Kinsicka McGuire and that the uh, team leaders card that will sell for five six hundred dollars. There's a uh, 1989 Donruss blue chips card looks like the grand slammers, but it says blue chips in the bottom left. That'll go for, you know, seven or $800 um, as opposed to the original one that will go for like five cents, <laughs> you know? So uh, it's, it's really fun. You gotta, you gotta know what you're looking for. Um, and generally speaking, when you go to a garage sale and they've got like six, 5,000 count boxes of 1994, you're not going to you know see anything like that. Because they literally probably made between three and six million of each and every single card in that time period. So uh, to bring this full circle to uh, answer your question, what's my process? How do I go through this? A lot of this is really just kind of hunting online. You know, sometimes you go on uh, eBay or sometimes on the forums or Facebook groups or Twitter, uh, and you'll find gems from time to time. It's just it takes a lot of time to do it. What do you think the best car there is out there that you could come across that you would never want to part with, regardless of price? Just one valuable to you that would mean the most out of any car you've the, traded. What's the white unicorn you're hunting? Oh, man. You know, like I, I always tell people this, the uh, you know the card that you uh, value the, the most is the one you don't have that you're looking for. You know, <laughs> so you always are going after one that's like super special and it seems like sometimes when you land that card, it like loses its mystique a little bit, if that makes sense. Um, when I was a super collector, the way they would work for me is I was always on the hunt. Like there's no, 
it wasn't like a, a baseball game, uh, uh, frame, you know, frame of speed, like where you can enjoy a home run. Like you find a card. Oh, you enjoy it. It's more basketball. You slam dunk. Okay. You get a card, you keep going to the next one. And so, uh, I never really got a chance to fully enjoy specific cards. Now, now that I'm really only going after super special cards myself, I'm able to look at these cards and say, Oh man, I love this one. I love this one. So, I've got some right now. I'm not sure um, for the Conseco cards anyway. I'm not sure if there's really anything out there that I would, you know, trade uh, for with some of my favorites here. So, you know, it's 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 a hard it's a hard question uh, to answer really. I mean, there's I know there's some out there. There's probably plenty of them out there that I would just like that would drop my jaw. But you know, I don't know. I'm I'm really satisfied with what I have right now. All right, so Chad touched on it earlier. I was a huge collector in the, like you said, the eight, late 80s and the early 90s, even in mid-90s. I have a ton of cards from that time. And I felt like that the uh, the card collecting business kind of went downhill at that point because they started coming out with so many like sub-brands of each brand, and it kind of diluted the, the card game. So has the card game as a whole bounced back? Uh, or is it still kind of like it was then? Or are you still looking for special cards as, as for today's cars? Or as as a whole, like the brand's better now than what it was in the nineties? So I have several thoughts on the subject here. I think um, uh, back in the heyday of of collecting, which is you know late eighties, early nineties, everybody was in it, right? You have baseball card packs being sold in supermarkets gas stations, uh, you know, trucks selling a watermelon off the side of the road. Like everybody was selling baseball cards. Um, you know, it's like, they'd always have like the 90 Donner's box and, you know, the packs were 50 cents each or 89 score. And the thing is, is that, you know, you open those packs, guess what? You're not going to be getting anything like super crazy. Like you knew what you're going to get. There are going to be 15 base cards <laughs> unless you have uh, you know, 89 Fleer, then you're, you're wondering if you're going to get that Billy Ripken Rick face card as, uh, <laughs> as Beckett would, uh, would call it, you know? And, and so they, so there wasn't really a whole lot going on. Now, uh, a couple things, the perfect storm, I would say happened that changed the hobby forever. Um, in 94, obviously we have the lockout. Okay. So, that was a big blow to collectors. Collectors did not like that very much at all. Um, you also have the advent of eBay not too uh, long after that. So these guys that are collectors uh, say, hey, now I have a much easier way to become kind of like a pseudo dealer myself. I've got an 89 Donner's Ken Griffey Jr. rated rookie. It books for $10. I'm going to put it on eBay for $8. I'm just going to sell it real fast because like my marketplace is worldwide now. Well, the problem is, is all these guys found out that everybody <laughs> had the 89 Donner's uh, Griffey rated rookie, and some of them even had them in quantities of 10, 50, and 100. So they're trying to undercut each other. Okay, well, I got to put my down to six. Oh, I'm going to put my down to four. Okay, two. So now you have these Ken Griffey Jr. rookies where everybody thought they were 10 bucks. Now they're selling for like two or three bucks because everybody has them. And there's like, you know, there's just like a massive quantity out there that. You know, you start going, well, if I really want a Griffey, A9, uh, A9 Donner's uh, Griffey Ray Rookie, I don't really need to necessarily run to the internet to get it because it's just there. <laughs> you know, it's always there for me. So uh, that kind of probably gave people problems because they said, huh, these cards aren't necessarily as rare as we thought, we were, as, as we thought they were because everybody has them. Now, uh, 
people scale back and there's a bunch of people that are like, okay, I don't really, I don't really know about this collecting thing anymore. So of course the card companies are trying to make it way more enticing. Matter of fact, the number one reason whenever I talk to people that have collected back then, why did you give up collecting? They almost will always say it's just because there got to be too many cards. They just had way too many cards coming out. I'm not sure if I believe that or not necessarily. I mean, there's no reason for me not to. But uh, looking back, some of the hottest cards nowadays are those inserts and everything from the 90s, believe it or not. So a lot of these cards that are like the rare parallels and inserts from like you know 95 on up, a lot of those cards of key players will outpace new one-of-one cards like very easily. It's pretty crazy to see. I think they did overproduce because I'm just going to go on record to say that I have some post-brand serial baseball cards. That's probably the sign <laughs> that they've made too many. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, my neighbor worked yeah. for General Foods. I got them for free, so I can't complain. <clears throat> so l- let me uh, jump yeah. to the book here. You decided to write a book, what, a couple years ago? So w- what's the name of it again? Make sure we get that right. Yeah, it's called Confessions of a Baseball Card Addict. Wasn't there a subtitle to that, too? Oh, gosh, yeah. Let me grab a copy here. Um, let's <laughs> Some- see here. Something about not getting divorced or something. Okay, the story, and this is totally tongue-in-cheek, guys. So uh, the story of a man who acquired 10 million cards and managed to stay married. <laughs> so, That's the important um, part. It's, I, it's also important to know that, you know, this is this is something that it is a hobby, but it's something I make money off of. So it's not like, you know, a lot. there's a lot of collectors out here, and I want to spread a lot of awareness to a lot of people out there that they do kind of like the closet collecting and – it's just an epidemic. There's a lot of these guys are they're buying cards, and it's kind of like a you know, hey, I didn't tell my wife. I snuck out to the mailbox, and you know, she doesn't know what I got, and all this. And and meanwhile, you know, everybody's like laughing along, but unfortunately, they're putting themselves in horrible financial turmoil doing it. And so, yeah, I want to you know be very clear with all of your listeners out there. You know, if you're in that situation, you know, guys, be careful. You know, learn to make money off of this. Don't you know? Don't just uh, dump all your money into this. I got a couple questions before before we let you go. I guess uh, the the one I'm really more interested to hear about is is there one specific time that you got a card and you realized like this person had no idea what was in their possession and you walked away with it? Oh man, you know I'm going to say there's probably a lot of times that that's happened. Um, <laughs> that's why you're a professional. We- well, and you know, though, it's it's not like a situation where somebody has a $10,000 card, like a sweet old lady. I don't know what I have, you know. I'm not, I'm not insinuating husband. you're ripping off old ladies. I did not, I'm not insinuating <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, okay. So, yeah, there wasn't, there's never been a, a time where they're like, oh, I don't know, give me $20 for this $10,000 card. Um, that's never happened, but a lot of times the way it, it will happen for me is if there's a collection. Um, you know, of cards and I buy the entire thing and I go through and I go, holy cow, look at this. Yeah, this is awesome. And so, uh, I was actually telling my son Atticus is a youth leader this last night. So I went to pick up Atticus from, uh, from his little church, uh, you know, youth group deal over there and his, uh, his youth pastor, Jonathan Chang, he, uh, collects baseball cards also. So every time we see each other, like, Hey, what'd you get recently? What's going on? And, um, I was telling them this story how years ago I found this guy online that was selling a bunch of junk wax cases. And at this point I had just started getting into reselling cards and, uh, you know, I had never opened a full case of baseball cards myself. 
So to see this guy selling like 15 cases of cards from the junk wax era for between 20 and $30 a case, I was all in. I said, okay, I think if, even if I can make 50 bucks or sell them for 50 each, I think I'm good. So I said, Hey, will you deliver them as well? And he goes, yeah, I'll deliver them. So he, uh, he and I load up 15 cases of baseball cards in our living room. And my wife is just kind of giving me side eye, like what is going on here? Why is my living room full of baseball cards? So I was like, Oh no, it's okay. They'll be gone in you know, a little bit. But, um, so we load up the last case, and there's like you know cases of like 89 tops, 90 score, 91 Bowman, 91 90 upper deck. The last case is uh, is upper deck, and as he puts it down, he goes, "Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, this one right here is not 1990 upper deck. This is 1989 upper deck." I go, "Oh!" And so 90 upper deck. For those of you that don't know, which I'm sure you do, 90 upper deck is nothing. 89 upper deck is the set to have. And I just got a case of those for 30 bucks and I didn't know it until it was actually sitting in my living room. So it was really cool. And he had another loose set of those also. And I couldn't believe it until I actually, you know, dug in and took a look and sure enough, there were 89 upper deck sets. Well, so, sometimes it pays to have dumb luck. So congratulations on that fun. Uh, and then I was going to ask, do you collect anything besides baseball? Do you do any of the other sports or do you just kind of strictly stick to baseball? You know, I am, I'm just straight up a nerd when it comes to this stuff. Like I, uh, I collect baseball cards, I collect comic books and I also collect transformers. So I'm kind of all over the place, but uh, baseball cards are definitely my first love. Are you a Gary V follower? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a follower, but I do like his content from a business perspective. At least I, he's got some amazing stuff out there from a business perspective. He's an interesting guy. I'll say that. Yeah, right, yeah he's very polarizing. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Who is your favorite um, baseball team? Uh, well, you know, I claim dual citizenship between the Oakland A's and the Houston Astros. Mm, so do you, do you lean more away from the Astros currently, or how's that feeling for you right now? Claiming the A's right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. That's that's why I like both teams. I could just go to the next one. Now, um but yeah, when it comes to the Astros, it's a difficult thing. I have mixed feelings, um, you know, obviously, you know, because like part of me thinks, you know, yeah, like they should get beamed every time they come up to bat. Yeah, they should, uh, you know, be fined heavily. But the other part of me thinks, well, there's other teams that were doing this also, you know, like, so why are they the ones that are getting uh, penalized so heavily um, in the public eye when the Yankees and Red Sox were, were convicted of doing the same thing back in the same year? Um, especially when other players have come out to say all these other teams have been doing it as well, the exact same thing. Well, that's probably about the best excuse you can roll with. I'm with you there a little bit. I think the the bigger difference is probably they, they ended up winning the World Series is probably why. I am a Patriots fan. Man, I hear you. Everybody's shooting. We just do it better. Well, I, I bet Tanner doesn't like the Patriots either. Well, well, listen, you know, my favorite player is Canseco. He was the steroid guy. So, so I probably, uh, you know, yeah, I probably, he, uh, he blew the lid off of for everybody though. He did. He, he, he had some just calls in there eventually. Yeah, he did. He did. So I think we'll see, uh, I think this baseball season, like I'm real excited about it. I'm fired up about the season. I can't wait. Um, I'm curious to see, um, with all this behind us, um, if the Astros are going to wilt under the pressure or if they're going to rise to the occasion and uh, get another World Series title. Because it's possible, but they could also end up in fourth place. <laughs> you know, you your, never know. Your, we'll your thoughts right now, over under 96 wins. Oh, 
Mr. Brown. They're, they're gonna. They're, they're gonna. They're gonna do. They're gonna do 101 wins on the record right wow. now. Wow. <laughs> that's uh spoken like a true fan all right tanner brother we appreciate you man maybe we'll get you on the road uh get you on the show again somewhere down the road okay buddy all right just let me know when you're ready thanks for having me hey man we appreciate you thank you so much all right bye i have a confession to make i've made a grave decision i have underestimated an athlete I said he was going to be a colossal bust. I said he probably wouldn't even play this year. I said he'll never make an all-star game, and he still may not. But I got to tell you, after a month into his NBA career, so far, calling me wrong when it comes to Zion Williamson. Why was I so wrong? Because you thought he was just going to go down, turn into Booger McFarland or whatever that guy is. Well, they throw the deal to his Well, you know, they get big and fat. Well, well you Robert look at Traylor. his days at Duke, and then when he first started in the NBA, you could have thought he was going to be Greg Oden, wouldn't get on the court, wouldn't stay healthy, super heavy. I just didn't think he could shoot. Like, I, I thought he was going to be like a short Blake Griffin. And, and, and then he comes out in like his first game, and he knocks down four threes. Dude, Blake Griffin is like a 25 and 10 guy. I said a short Blake Griffin, like like not as big. So you're saying like a left-handed Charles Barkley? <laughs> Maybe, but let's be honest. Charles Barkley game don't translate to today's NBA. <laughs> not even close. I mean, I'm not going to hate on you because, I mean, I thought he was going to do well, but it did not exactly start off on the right foot, you know, with positive vibes here because – He was hurt. He was hurt. He was overweight. They was even saying they were going to teach him how to run a new way. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all ridiculous. So, I mean, there's a lot of red flags. Plus, he's on the Pelicans. Yeah, a lot of shrimp gumbo. <laughs> so, you get worried, but then, like, he, he takes all this time off and he comes back and, dude, he's blown up to the point to where they're like, does he get rookie of the year? Uh, because he's only played, like, half the season? I mean, because he's that good, better than the next guy, even though it's half a season? Hell no. Uh, and we'll get to that in a minute. So let's focus on Zion for a second. I'm just saying. But, you're, but yes. but That's, it's that's like, what he's done to the media. The hype train has started, right? Right. While we're focusing on Zion, I just want to say the coolest thing that he's done so far this year, after they played the Lakers, JaVale McGee wanted to do a jersey swap. Zion gave him his. JaVale Tried to give him his, and Zion just kind of shrugged up. Ah, right. <laughs> what am I going to do with the JaVel McGee jersey? <laughs> he really did that? Yeah. I was like, this ain't worth nothing. He's like, he's like, nah, man, you just keep it. <laughs> Go give it to one of them kids. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> you block a few shots, but you do nothing else. Oh. Get out of my court. So- Shocked in a fool. <laughs> that's, that's so awesome. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm going to get me a Zion jersey now. I'm a fan. So the the – Big thing that everyone wants to do, though, is they want to anoint him already. And, you know, it's interesting. The Pelicans, when they do their starting lineup, they don't introduce him last. He's like the second or third name, they say, because it's not his team yet. Um, you know, they, they want him to kind of assume the role over time. His team is Alonzo's. No, it's not Alonzo's. Brandon Ingram. <laughs> it's not Brandon Ingram's. <laughs> it's uh, – what's he, what the hell's his name? Holiday. It's Drew Holiday's. Drew – how do you spell that? J-R-U-E. All right. So anyway, it's Holiday's team, not Zion's. But then they have a game with the Lakers. And now the conversation all shifts to the similarities between Zion and LeBron. 
Like, is that justified at all? I don't believe it is at all. They're a lot different as players, and anything involving LeBron gets blown out of proportion. They, they want the rivalry so bad, which I understand. The NBA needs something. They, they need a spark. And LeBron, he's still he's putting up phenomenal numbers. I hate to say it. In, in year number, what, 17? Is oh, that, yeah, something like it. It's a long put, time. He, he could lead the league in assists this year. It's insane. But he, he came out and he was motivated against the Pelicans here recently and actually put up a decent uh, game, and they won the game. Uh, but I just wish LeBron was that motivated all the time. He did ball out. He was also guarded by Josh Hart in the fourth quarter. He should bully him into submission. <laughs> But I think what Mr. Brown says is right, though, is that's the LeBron you want to see all the time. And I think a lot of people that aren't LeBron fans, like, I, like I'm going to, I'll be honest with you, I would be a much bigger LeBron fan if he would play like that all the time. If he was out there, like, now the stakes are raised. It's just a meaningless game in February or March, whenever it was played. And, He's playing it like it feels like a playoff game. The atmosphere is electric. He's elevating it. I know it's the first time Zion versus LeBron and all that kind of thing, but they're not matched up against each other all that often. That doesn't happen. They're just on the court at the same time. But you see LeBron, like he's not ready to, to you know, say I'm done. You know, he wants to show he's still got it. But then he goes into the postgame interview and says a bunch of stupid crap about how it's his responsibility to, like, I – Quit, quit making it sound more important than it is. You know, people, I don't want to pass the torch. I want people to take it, you know, like, so shut up. I don't care about that. Um, but did you see that where he was making a big deal about how I got to, I got to leave the game better than when I found it and all this type of thing? LeBron has like put a trademark on the, it's not about me, but it's about me speech. (laughs) (laughs) He does it constantly. He just don't want you to know that's what he's doing. (laughs) He's trying to, it's humble brag. <laughs> you were talking about how the NBA needs a spark. Is there any gasoline on the fire of this Giannis James Harden thing at all? Is that is that a is that a real thing? I think it means more to Harden than it does Giannis because when the Rachel Nichols was interviewing uh, Harden, you could tell he was visibly upset and aggravated about some of the nonsense going on because you know obviously he won the MVP and Giannis won the MVP. And, you know, Giannis drilled him in the head with the ball. (laughs) That never gets old. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, you could tell he was kind of ticked because he did clearly say that, you know, I'm not seven feet tall. I don't just run and dunk. What I got to do takes skill. And he was clearly throwing shade there. That was in a one-on-one interview. Now, did did Giannis say the reason why he didn't want him on – was that true about him not wanting him on the all-star team? When asked about it or during their live draft – uh, they made some comment about having the opportunity to take Harden, and, and he didn't. He said, I want a guy on my team who passes the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Barkley says when they were doing it, we had LeBron and Giannis on the screen, and Bar- and LeBron picked, and then Giannis picked, and then Barkley looked at Giannis and goes, well, you didn't want the dribbler? <laughs> and then <laughs> that's when Giannis said, I want somebody who's going to pass the ball. <laughs> so there might be something there. Like, I'm glad – Sir Charles can help push this rivalry along. He would be the one to do it. And what's funny, like you said about Harden having some genuine hard feeling sentiment about it, is that all Giannis did was speak the truth. You dribble the crap out of the ball, and he doesn't want you on his team when he can pick another all star. And let's be real, it would never happen with Houston playing, 
you know, six foot five center, but <laughs> the smallest ball lineup in the history of the, since since nineteen since Will Chamberlain beat up on four white men. It was like nineteen sixty two was the last time they yeah they had a smaller lineup. Since Will Chamberlain's a hundred point game, but anyways, so just think of how good that TV would be if it was Houston versus uh, Milwaukee in the finals. Hey, I, I'm good watching that anytime, but. I don't know if the TV would be good because as good as Giannis is, I think people still don't care about Milwaukee. And that sucks. They, they need an L.A. team there in there as well. Well, they, they want one of the L.A.s in there. Yeah. They don't want Houston. No. <laughs> Houston's a big market, though. That uh, bald-headed guy that's the commissioner now who's not very good, he wants either L.A. <laughs> <Adam> team <Silver. laughs> and he wants them to play the Celtics. Yeah, well, it could happen. But all right, is Giannis your MVP so far this year? Definitely. And it's not close to me. He's got the highest per in the history of the game. Yeah, not even close. <laughs> it's it's. He's easily. only averaging like what twenty eight minutes a game. Yeah, because they're blowing everybody out, dude. I'm telling you, this Bucks team. I mean, like every team throughout history has had to get over the hump. You know, last year they didn't get meet expectations. This year, I'm telling you, they're going to get to the finals out of the East because. None of their starters are over 30 minutes a game. Now they're battle-tested, too. They, they've gone through the gauntlet, right? Isn't that what we said last right. year? Right. I was watching the game last night, and I, I love Robin Lopez. Not Brooke Lopez, who's been shooting threes, but Robin Lopez did a pick and pop in the corner. Sideshow Bob's now hitting threes. <laughs> I can't do that. I love the Bucks, man. They're, they're going to be there. 53-9. and nine. That's a hell of a record. I think the Bucks team this year has kind of that early 90s Bulls feel to it in this one regard. The young up-and-coming superstar who is so great that isn't yet realized. They went through a couple tough times in the playoffs, losing to the Celtics in seven, losing the conference finals last year. They're over that hump this year, like you guys said. It's finals or bust. I don't want to say championship or, championship or bust, but anything short of a finals appearance is a complete bust. Yeah, they got to get there first. But what I love about Giannis is he plays the game angry. Oh, yeah. If I was six foot ten, I'd just dunk the ball all the time, too. Hey, he shoots that three ball pretty good. <laughs> all right. Rookie of the year back to Zion. Is it Zion? Ja Morant. It's if you've been watching it all, it's Morant. Come <laughs> on. Clearly Ja Morant, right? It's got to be because he's got Memphis right there in the playoff uh, oh, it's crazy. picture of the eighth seed with Me- Memphis. Memphis? <laughs> Memphis. How does Memphis have a chance over Portland? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. This is crazy. It's what happens when you sign Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> he <laughs> they, scores points, but you lose. Known. They should have known. They were junk before Carmelo. <laughs> no, but they just they signed the deal. They, they, they uh, it it's worse because of him. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Carmelo. <laughs> oh, God. Did you guys watch the guy walk across the volcano? I have not. Did he live? I don't know. I was hoping you would tell me, but apparently that was trending yesterday. Do you even know about this, Mr. Brown? I don't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, in a, it's in a different country, right? Tightrope in a volcano outside of the United States, correct? Is it Nicaragua? Is that where he's at? I don't know. I think they have the coronavirus wherever <laughs> he is. That's why he decided to do it. <laughs> I, I I think I saw something where they said he had a bungee cord in case he fell, though. That's not tight roping. That is cheating. What I does know, he play for so the I Astros? I didn't watch it. I, I don't have much for pop culture this week, but I thought maybe you would have saw that. 
when he can walk between buildings tall, like World Trade Centers, like that crazy dude years ago, without a bungee cord or a parachute, then we'll pay attention to him. <laughs> That's pay-per-view, though. All right. I watched a movie. Do you guys know what won Picture of the Year in the Oscars this year? Parasite. Have you seen it? No. Oh. I watched it. It was rated like 97%, and I haven't touched it because of subtitles. And I was on the watch with Ron, and she's like, I just get distracted with the subtitles. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. That's the worst excuse yeah, you can exactly. Uh It's not bad. It's not Picture of the Year. It's not. It's good. It's fine. I tell anybody to watch it. It's a wonderful take on class warfare, and I think because of that, that's why it wins an Oscar, because that's what we give awards to now is when things are woke, <laughs> they get awards. So it was uh, it was good, though. Um, not picture of the year, though. So in other things of pop culture news, I really only had one question to ask you guys. I don't really play video games now. I'll be honest with you. I probably haven't picked up a video game controller in at least a year, and that was probably to play some Mario Kart on Super Nintendo. So PlayStation 2 turned 20 years old this week. And if I'm being honest, before I became an Xbox owner, I was always a PlayStation guy. PlayStation 2 was the best console ever. What were your favorite games from PS2? I always enjoyed playing Grand Theft Auto, and then we had some. Which one? Not Vice City. The original. I, I liked Vice City. <laughs> it, was, San Andreas. it was okay. But. Vice City had the uh, the great soundtrack because it was like the 80s. And, you know, everybody working for the weekend. Bound no, no, Chicka Wawa. The uh, Seagulls, remember? Oh, yeah. It was, uh, and I ran. Yeah, there you I go. I ran oh, so yeah. far yeah. away. That was the commercial for it. <sighs> so what about you, Mr. Brown? You were a PlayStation guy, right? Yeah, I'm looking here, and I can't really say any of these were my favorite. I mean, I guess it would have to be Vice, or uh, probably Vice City, or ugh. I mean, I, I played NBA Street a lot. See, I, I was an NBA Live fan. Like I played that, and then NBA Live kind of died, and 2K took over in the world we know now. Obviously, Madden. You, you didn't do Guitar Guitar Hero. Uh, of course, I did Guitar Hero. I even did Rock Band, or was that? That may not have been. I don't know. No, I did Guitar Hero one. I remember, I, I remember breaking out the credit card I had at the time to buy Guitar Hero because I was I played it one time and I was like, "This is incredible!" Oh, the uh, this looks like uh, this is Midnight Club. I'm thinking it's the uh, what's this racing game called? Oh, Need for Speed, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that game. Need for Speed Underground. That, that was, was great. Uh, that was the best one. Did you play uh, Star Wars Battlefront? I didn't. I wasn't a big Star Wars fan then. I'm more of a Star Wars fan now than I oh. was then. It took me a while to evolve or devolve. Oh, what about? I thought the 007 was on Xbox. No, it was on. It the was PS? on all platforms. Well, it's not the Golden Eye is what made 007. Which famous. one was that the was, one where that you went around shooting people? Well, that was all. Was of it them. all of them? Yeah, but like Golden Eye was the one that got famous. That was on Nintendo 64. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But right, I, I had I had the what was it, Nightfire that was on uh, okay. PS2. I had that. That was that was fun. That's what's showing on here, yeah. But it was the one uh, you're talking about is the one I was talking about on sixty four. Yeah. Oh golden eye. What about Simpsons hit and run? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a big uh, that's a hard no. Um how about um what uh oh Bully? 
Nah, I never played. That, never, was one of the, that was one of those Rockstar games. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, it was a, like a role-playing game. I feel like I was already partying way too early at this point, so I missed out on a lot of these games. No, nah, what about... I'll tell, here's, my, here's my story about um, uh, PS2. So one of the games I had was... Uh, I believe it was uh, Here Comes the Pain, SmackDown. Okay? And you could do creator wrestlers. And the job I had at the time... I decided to uh, start making uh, people I work with. And you could make 30. That was how many. Remember, you had the memory cards. You could only put so much storage on those stupid cards. Anyway, me and a buddy of mine, we ended up making 30 um, quote-unquote wrestlers slash coworkers. And we would work hard all day, go home at night, drink a couple beers, and play wrestling and basically have our managers fight each other to the death and whatnot. And that was kind of our thing. And then we put them into stables and whatnot. And then it got out at work that we had made this. And I'll never forget my boss said, so, uh, Chad, I heard, uh, heard you made a wrestling game with us in it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we just, it's just for fun. I'd really like to see that. <laughs> um, Okay, so you know, to date it, you know, I still had a VCR, so we took the old VCR out and recorded some matches, so the uh, managers could feel good about beating up on lower level employees. But uh, we did, man, and everybody was uh, everybody was in a group. I was in the NWO with my little department. Was that where you still you could design the uh, entrance music, the whole intro, and then the you, finishers you, and yeah, everything? Oh yeah, you set up all the move sets and everything. Like, but like. You know, the place I used to work, you had certain attire you would wear. And, uh, yeah, you absolutely could make that on the game, and it looked perfect. And then, like, the managers were all part of their own stable. So, like, the main manager would be out there in the ring. Then the operations manager would come out and interfere and save his ass. It was great. Mm. The good old days. Can't believe I, can't believe I gave all that up. <laughs> you missed your calling. <laughs> I can't believe I actually recorded that and took it to work so they could watch us beat each other up <laughs> with fake managers and whatnot. Well, you just know you got no regrets there in life. I think when I go back to PS2 games, PS2 games, I think more of PS1. I keep thinking like Metal Gear Solid and Twisted Metal and stuff I like that. I love Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal 2? I like both of them. Twisted Metal 2 is like the best game ever. I would still play that all day long. At the ice cream truck. Oh, Sweet Tooth. Yeah. <laughs> and that little Doom buggy. Oh, that was such a great game. Yeah. Such a Remember great game. Remember that? No. He doesn't know what he's talking. No. I think he did. He was just burnt. He was still playing Duck Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had. <laughs> yeah, I did learn that second controller does something for you in Duck Hunt. <laughs> does it? I don't even know that. Is that a, is that a trick? Yeah. What does it do? Oh, it can move the birds, right? Controls the birds. Oh, I didn't know that. See, once you said it out loud. Oh, it controls the dog, which controls the birds. Oh, I'm even more confused. Well, who knows? <laughs> I, think he tri- I think he was on a trip when he thought all about all this. <laughs> it's good no, stuff, man. You're so nice to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't tie your shoes, you'll trip. <laughs> Um, well, that seems like as good a place as any to end the show. Oh. Well, what did we learn? We learned that Tom Brady's going to the 49ers. We learned about 
collective bargaining agreements and that we don't read the fine print that Al Michaels is worth his weight in gold and ESPN is going to trade the entire network to get him. That Zion Williamson is very much a better player than what Chad the Mark said he would be. That Giannis and Harden feud may or may not be real, but we hope it is. And that baseball card collecting can take you down some dark roads, but apparently you can win a lot of money if you uh, can rip off old ladies. Now, that's not what he said, but you know we're going to pretend like it's what happened. So, guys, we'll do it again next week. This has been the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. Make sure you tell your friends. If you like us, tell them to find it, subscribe. Make sure you follow us on social media. If you don't like us, you don't do any of that. Just keep your mouth shut. Don't spread any bad news. But tell everybody how great we are, and we'll see you next week. Peace.